We've got about 20 minutes left tonight, and I want to share uh, a message with you that goes along with what I shared uh, this morning and how God views things and how differently God views things than we do. And so I'd like you to turn to a very familiar parable, and that is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and it's found in Luke chapter 16 and verses 19 through 31. Luke chapter 16 and verses 19 through 31. I'm going to do the same thing that I did this morning, and that is just read the passage as we, or the part of the passage as we come to it in the message. Our first point tonight is heaven and hell. I want you to think about what I shared with you, that God sees all of time at a glance, all at once. And what God sees so differently than we see. That's why we put our trust in him. So again, our first point is heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are two of the most famous places in human existence. There are tremendous misunderstandings about both places. As you know, many jokes are told about both places. But in the eyes of God, they are no laughing matter. Neither heaven nor hell. What we see on earth is not what we will see in heaven and hell. If you remember nothing else tonight about this message, I want you to remember that. What we see on earth is not what we will see in heaven and hell. Many of the rich, the famous, and the powerful will spend eternity in agony and torment in the fires of hell. Many of the poor the helpless, and the anonymous will spend eternity in the peace and beauty and the joy of heaven. Oh, how different things are going to be on the other side of the grave. Oh, how different things are going to be on the other side of the grave. I want to ask you a question tonight. How would you feel if you met a person who'd been to hell and then came back to tell about it. In essence, through the avenue of the inspired word of God, that's exactly what we have tonight. Our second point is the rich man and Lazarus before they died. Look at verses 19 through 21. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. There was a man who feasted sumptuously every day. There was a man who had way more than enough to eat. He was dressed in purple and fine linen. And it says that Lazarus was laid at his gate. The word gate here actually is important. It refers to a large gate, like the gate of a city or the gate of a palace. This wasn't some gate leading into a cottage. This was a massive gate. He most likely lived in a great mansion. Folks, from everything we learn here, just to put it bluntly, this man was filthy rich. This man was filthy rich. Now, I want to say very carefully tonight, it's not wrong to have wealth. 
But this man not only lived in luxury, not only feasted sumptuously every day, but he appears from the context. He appears to have had no concern for the poor beggar who lay at his gate. So there was a rich man. And there was a beggar named Lazarus. Not to be confused with the Lazarus who was raised from the dead, two different people, who was about as poor as a human being could be. He laid, he was laid at the gate of the rich man. I want you to notice that in verse 20. And at his gate was laid a poor man. The thought there is he couldn't even get there by himself. Some people had to come and drop him off. He was covered with sores. He longed to eat the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. He would have loved, and I mean this literally, he would have loved to eat the rich man's garbage. He would have loved to. And the dogs came and licked his sores. And the name Lazarus is significant. The name Lazarus means God is my helper. And as we are going to see, even though this man was about as poor as a human being could be, the poorest of the poor, his trust was in God. He didn't curse God because he was poor. He didn't criticize God or say, I'm not going to believe in God. Look what he's done to my life. Lazarus means God is my help. And as we will see in this passage, his hope was in the Lord. Now I want you to imagine that you knew both, that you knew both of these men when they were on earth. I just want you to imagine that. I want you to imagine that you knew the rich man and you knew Lazarus. You knew both of them before they died. Well, our third point is the rich man and Lazarus after they died. Look at verses 22 through 31. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades... Being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner his things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from here to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The two men go to two very 
different places. The beggar died. It says the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Notice it just said that he died. It never mentions that he was buried like it says about the rich man. It is very likely that he had no formal funeral service or burial. Remember years ago reading about the city of Chicago and have later learned that this is true in almost all large cities that they have a special cemetery, a public cemetery set aside for people who die who have no identifiable friend or relative. They just die and they can't find anyone who knew them, anyone who was connected with them. And so they are basically just buried anonymously. It is highly likely this is what happened to the poor man. But after he dies, things change dramatically. The angels carry him to Abraham's side. Abraham's side is a reference, and I refer to it this morning, to the current heaven. It is technically, and I don't want to get into all the technicalities of it, it is technically the place where the Old Testaments, the paradise that the Old Testament saints would go to when they died. Now the rich man died and was buried. It is likely that he had a funeral service of great pomp and circumstance. But the next time we see him, his life has also dramatically changed. He is in hell where he was in torment. And so the rich man begins to have a conversation with Abraham. The rich man saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And now for probably the first time in his life, as a Jewish person, he addresses Abraham as Father Abraham. And the man who had no pity on others, now asks for mercy. Look at verse 24 again. And he called out, Father Abraham. I want you to notice the intense emotion here. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. That is a frightening picture. Folks, the rich man is now in a state of panic and hysteria. He's in hell. He is in the very real agonizing torment of hell. Abraham reminds him of the choices he made while he lived on earth. Again, notice the stark contrast between earth and eternity. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Wow. Whatever he had on earth, it is all changed for all eternity. Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner, Bad things, but now, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. 
And there is a great chasm that divides heaven and hell. And no one can go from one place to the other. Again, look at verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. They are now separate forever and ever. This is the very purpose of the great chasm so that those in heaven and those in hell will be separated forever and ever. And so the rich man then begs Abraham to send someone to his family. He has five brothers and they need to be warned. He says, send Lazarus to them lest they also come into this place of torment. And you have to give him some credit for that. Send Lazarus back and tell him not to come here. Tell him to believe because I don't want him to come where I am. And Abraham very calmly and simply replies, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. This is one of, I think, the most important verses in the entire Bible on evangelism. Do you know what Abraham is saying? They have the Bible. Let them read it. They have the Bible. Let them read it. The rich man, understandably, doesn't think his brothers will read the Bible, so he begs for someone from the dead to be sent to them. Here's his thought. Boy, if someone goes back from the dead, they'll surely believe. Now, maybe you thought the same thing or something similar. Maybe you thought, boy, if my unbelieving relative or friend could only see a great miracle, if they could only see something spectacular, then they'd believe. Surely they would believe. But Abraham says something very very important not only for the rich man but for all of us verse 31 again he said to him if they do not hear Moses and the prophets neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead do you realize how important that verse is if someone will not believe the Bible they will not even believe if someone is raised from the dead I don't care how great the miracle is, if they will not believe the supernatural inspired word of God, they will not believe. The Bible, the word of God, is God's main tool for reaching the lost. Let me say that again. The Bible, the word of God, is God's main tool for reaching the lost. We give out the gospel according to scripture and that is how men and women and children come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. It's so easy to think if they only saw miracles, if they only saw healings, if we could only give them our very best arguments, surely they would believe. But not according to this. Let this sink deeply into your souls. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, if they do not believe the Bible, neither will they be convinced if someone 
should rise from the dead. Amazing parable story. Now, I want to point something out tonight. This is a parable. Parables are not to be taken literally in every single detail, and that is true with this parable. There are some powerful truths that I'm about to share with you that do, that we can learn from this. But we have to be careful with this parable not to take everything literally. For example, I don't know, I'm not sure, in fact, I really don't think that people are going to be talking back and forth from heaven to hell. And I don't say that facetiously or sarcastically. I don't. Because I have been asked that question a number of times over the years. Whether there'll be any communication between the people in heaven and the people in hell. Based on the rest of scripture, I don't think so. I think this, Jesus uses this story, this parable, to highlight some truths that we can draw from this. And that's our last point, and we'll be done tonight. Six important truths about heaven and hell. Six things that we can draw from this parable, and we need to take with us wherever we go. Number one, those who have died are not asleep. They are fully awake and conscious. That's a sobering thought. Every person in heaven and every person in hell, based on Scripture, that have already died, are fully awake and conscious in one place or the other right now. Number two, once you die, your eternal condition is fixed forever. There are no second chances. Let us be reminded of the urgency of the gospel in the time of history in which we live. There are no second chances. Number three, those who are in hell are in constant agonizing torment. We should say that and preach that and teach that with tears. Those who are in hell are in constant agonizing torment. Hell is a very real and awful place. Number four, to go along with that, hell is a place of eternal fire of which Jesus said the flame will not go out. It will not be quenched. Number five, true and perfect justice will take place in heaven and in hell. It will. It will. People may appear to get away with crimes. They may appear to rip people off and get away with it. But there will be true and perfect justice in heaven and in hell. And we are to take comfort in that. No one gets away with anything on this earth because everything will one day be made right. And then finally, a person's decision here on earth to accept or reject Christ will determine whether he spends eternity in heaven or hell. We always have to keep coming back to the importance of the gospel. Whether a person accepts or rejects Christ as Savior will determine whether they spend all of eternity in heaven or in hell. What people do with Jesus is the most important decision they will ever 
make in their lifetimes. I end with this, as I said before. Oh, how different things will be on the other side of the grave. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that this parable, this story that Jesus told, would be etched in our minds and in our hearts, reminding us of the importance of the gospel, reminding us that heaven and hell are not make-believe places. They are very real. And they are places where people will be fully awake and conscious forever and ever. Oh, impress upon us tonight the urgency and seriousness of the gospel message. May we never forget the rich man. And may we never forget Lazarus. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.